Welcome to the PRISM Podcast. PRISM North America is a K-12 school system committed to building a sanctuary for children and families in North America. PRISM is a Northgate school, and this is our podcast. Welcome to the PRISM Podcast. My name is Misty Newcomb. I'm the superintendent of PRISM North America, and this is our podcast. It's the last quarter of the school year, and this is typically a time when we wrap up the year and complete our end-of-year standardized test. The term standardized test is often considered a dirty word and the bane of our educational existence. But here at PRISM, I'm going to let you know a little secret. We actually kind of like standardized tests. And today I've invited our principals to meet up with me here on the podcast and help help me give a solid defense of standardized testing with a twist. And that twist is I'm going to go ahead and just let you in. I'm not going to not going to keep you hanging. The twist is that standardized tests are great as long as they are the tool and not the strategy. So, let's first before we dive in, let's first introduce our guest. Lindsay, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Lindsay Nichols. I'm the kindergarten through fifth grade principal, and I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite subjects here, data and and assessments. Miss Caitlin, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Miss Caitlin Honison, and I am the principal of sixth through twelfth grade. I, too, love assessments, and I can't wait uh, (laughs) to tell you guys why in this podcast. Okay, before we get into our great defense of testing, I want to talk about what the different types of tests are that exist. So we talked to our teachers about using formative tests and summative tests. Lindsay, what are those? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of debate and you can look at it from a lot of different angles. But in the most simple terms, a formative assessment is any type of assessment that's given while learning is still happening. Uh, Whereas if you look at a summative test, we're talking about an assessment that's given after learning is already complete. So I think that's the simplest way to look at it. I like looking at it that way because as educators, we know that you can get in the weeds on this. And so if any educators are listening and you hear what we're about to say, please don't walk in the weeds. All right. Tell me, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, just keep it simple. Um, What kind of test do we use that we would put under the formative testing bracket? Well, I think some assessments, and I think, again, when parents hear the word test in general, we make it out to be a little bit bigger. That's why you'll hear me saying the word assessment a little bit more. And that's because that can, a formative assessment can look like a weekly quiz It can look like an exam that's given um, midway through a unit to figure out where everybody's at and how everyone's learning. But it can also be as simple as informal assessments that your teachers are completing throughout a lesson to check for understanding. Again, it goes back to that aspect that formative assessment is happening while learning is still happening. So any type of assessment, test, quiz, check-in, exit tickets, there's a bunch of words that could be associated with it. Um, but these are the things that we're doing every every single day or at different points to check in on progress. Yeah, and we're just checking in on learning. That's mm-hmm. We're just testing to see if our instruction was effective and the students are all tracking with us. Exactly. That's not bad. That's a great thing to do, right? Yeah, it's not the boogeyman, of course. Yeah, and that's a that's a great thing. Okay, Caitlin, when we talk about summative tests, what kind of tests are we talking about, and and which ones do we use at Prism? 
Mm -hmm. So the summative test would be a bit lengthier, typically. Um, you're checking for a comprehensive understanding of something. So it's going to happen at the end of a unit. You can have a summative test once you've completed a unit in our classes, and we're, we're testing you on the content that was learned in that unit. Um, but you also typically have summative assessments at the end of a school year. So at the 6th or 12th level, we'll have AP exams. That's a summative assessment. Uh, we take a final MAPS test in the K through 8th grade. Um, and then we also have other exams that the kids take that are summative. They have end of course exams at the end of the year that is checking cumulative understanding of what's been learned throughout the entire year. So that was a perfect description of those two things. So thank you ladies for that. You've made kind of a complex topic that people get master's degrees in very simple. And I appreciate that. So when we think about standardized tests, I think that most of the time people are thinking about summative tests. Would that be true? Do y'all agree? Yeah, with that like they're statement? thinking about things we grew up with taking, mm -hmm. you know, like the Iowa or the benchmark or, right. you know, some of those exams that some of us state grew up taking. mandated standardized yeah, state mandated. <laughs> yeah, that fires people up. I think the mandated <laughs> part of it is what makes people so, I mean, I'll just say that. I think uh, it irritates people that we have to do it. Um, okay. So also are, would our MAPS test be considered summative or formative? Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about MAPS. It's why we love it, actually. Mm -hmm. It's because it can be used as both. So parents, I think probably when they heard the podcast title, if you're a prison parent, you probably thought, oh, MAPS testing, <laughs> because it seems like we're constantly doing MAPS tests. And um, that's why it's because we use them both in a formative setting and summative. So they're given at the end or near the end of every quarter so that we and the teachers and students can check in on their progress and they can see how they're growing. But it is also a tool that we give a fifth time in the year, essentially, to see where did we land at the end of X grade, second grade, third grade. Um, and in that setting, it is a little bit more on the summative end because we're saying we're done with second grade. This is where we got to by the end of the year. But it is still summative or it's formative in a sense because we pick up next year with those that same data to keep trying to grow. Yeah. So what kind of information do we get? from from these tests like you say this shows us where we end up what information are we getting from the test so when the students take the test maps is able to give us very specific individualized goals for the kids on what they need to work on in reading language and math and so our teachers can access those goals and it really it narrows down things beautifully. Um, it's really like a teacher's dream. And I wish we could do a podcast that's like specifically for teachers where we're talking about looking at the data from maps. I'm sure other teachers doing maps might appreciate that yes. because there's so much information. It really is them. amazing yeah. to look at how they pinpoint the goals for the kids. So we use that. The teachers look at that and they use that in their classes to, to really pinpoint, okay, this is what's going to help this student in class. Um, so they kind of bridge that, that, um, that connection between class learning and then taking that formative and then summative assessment. Um, but then it also projects where they're going to be um, in the future. So it tells us how they could potentially do on their ACT scores in the future. So we can make a path, a plan for the kids for prepping for those exams that really set them up for the future, uh, for those exams that they might need for whatever they're going to go into with future education. Perfect. One thing that the MAPS test does that I really like is that it takes, we, we take one of those tests very early on in the year. 
And based on that test, that early test, earliest test the students take in the year, it gives us a projection on where a student who scores like that in September or August typically ends up at the end of the year. And it lets us see if the student is growing above average compared to other students who started in that spot or below average. And that really gives us some very meaningful data because one of the things that you hear about tests, like why people don't like tests, is because it puts all kids in one box. And it says everyone needs to end, you know, start at the same place and end at the same place. And those of us who've had kids know that's impossible. That is not how kids are made. And so this says, hey, we're going to help you make goals based off of where you are today. And it helps us really build a growth mindset in, in those kids. And I really, I really like that a lot. Why else do people hate tests? Like they hate it because it standardizes kids and we don't really like that. Why else do people hate tests? You know, I think part of it is it can be an uncomfortable conversation. I mean, just talking about our own areas of weakness or areas where we need to come up. I think that's something we really strive at the elementary level to combat for sure um, through the process of reviewing those scores with the kids so that they can see how they're doing and normalizing the discussion around the fact that this is a tool for our growth. And I think that's really what you were hitting at, Misty, is NWEA MAPS is actually known for their growth score. So mm -hmm. they measure uh, performance and growth. So they measure both things. And that's one of the things we talk with the kids a lot about is it's not about where you get on the performance scale, but what we want to see is that you're growing. And so what can we do to grow? Um, but you know, growing can sometimes be uncomfortable because I think all of us at our core sometimes just want to be told like, you're perfect. You don't have to grow. You don't have to do anything. You just naturally are very smart uh, or very <laughs> capable, you know? And so I just think, I think that's, I think that's a part of it for sure. I think another part is that it can feel like it limits um, the classroom instruction where it feels like maybe teachers are spending too much time focusing on the test or point. teaching mm -hmm. to the test versus teaching the standards that we have, but doing it in a way that's really the best for our kids um, and not, not doing it to fit within the box of a test to reach mm -hmm. a certain goal the test says you need to be at. Um, but it's yeah. really, it's, that's not how we use it. We don't teach the test and we don't let it limit our instruction in that way. Yeah, I think that there's, a, you hit on a couple of things in that one statement, Caitlin. People feel like we spend too much time testing. I mean, that's, that's people feel, not we prism, but we America, <laughs> we the world, mm -hmm. uh, schools spend too much time testing and that there's too much emphasis on testing. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, I've, I have worked in schools or I've worked with schools where that is the case, where mm -hmm. after spring break, people come back and all they do is prep for the test because of these high stakes accountability measures or perceived high stakes accountability measures that their states take. And so I just want to debunk that myth. First of all, mm -hmm. part of the reason people don't like tests is because they feel like tests get an inordinate amount of attention and not test for the sake of understanding if kids are growing, but testing for the sake of performing well on some random benchmark that we don't really agree with being like the best benchmark for measuring student success. And so that's not really how we're using them here. Since we're not using them to meet some accountability standard that the state mandates, we're genuinely using them to improve our instruction. And therefore, we don't really want to spend excessive amounts of time test prepping because that kind of defeats the purpose. That doesn't give us an authentic measure of whether the kids really know that material or not. So we're not going to just isolate what we teach to what's on that test. However, 
test prep in the sense of teaching kids how to answer multiple choice questions is a wonderful way to teach them how to fill out their driver's license application, how to pass a driver's (laughs) test, how to pass a driver's test, how to go to the bank and fill out an application for an account. This is actually a way that we work in, in this, this region of the world. We fill out a lot of forms and probably all regions of the world these days. And so I think that sometimes people can kind of swing the pendulum to the other end and say, I don't want my kids to learn how to fill out multiple choice things. And it's like, well, you, you probably actually do because that's going to drive whether they get scholarships, how much they get in scholarships, whether they can, if they can't fill out those little worksheets and they can't fill out multiple, I mean, it isn't actually a skill they need. And so uh, that's not all we want to do, but it is some of what we want to do. And then the second thing is sometimes we don't want to engage in test prep because we don't think that the tests are good. They're like simply measuring very low level skills. And again, that's where I feel like, for example, with a maps test, I feel like the way that's set up and we could really have a conversation about that. And maybe we will one of these days, but the way that's set up, it's intentionally set up to ask more difficult questions if students are getting every question right or easier questions if they're getting all the questions wrong. That way they keep trying. It it actually taps it. It's called a computer adapted test and it adapts to how the student's answering so that it can kind of, you know, get around uh, low motivation if you feel like you can't get any of them right or low motivation if you feel like it's too easy. And so it asks progressively more difficult questions to challenge the student, but not to over challenge them, which is kind of cool. And that means the test is generally um, a little bit of a better measure. And then um, another reason, and I think this is really important, that people don't really like tests is because sometimes they're used as a single measure of student performance and student success. So if I didn't score proficient or hit my growth goals, then I wasn't a good student or I'm not a good student or I'm not proficient. In reality, that's not, that's not what the test measure. They're not measuring if you're a good person. They're measuring if you can read or write on grade level, if you could do math on grade level within the accepted norms of Western culture, North American culture mm-hmm. and North American expectations. And so that's what we want to use it for. Can our kids do math? Can they read and write at grade level? And and that's all we want to use it for. We're not saying, and also this reflects their study habits. There are kids who have terrible study habits who, you know, can rock these tests. There are kids who have uh, really great study habits who really struggle on these tests. What we're trying to understand is, can you read and write at grade level? Can you do math yeah. at grade level? Can you, you know, that's, that's what we're looking at. And I think an additional thing to add there is that we're also not using... NWA maps or any other one assessment as the sole assessment of if they can perform at grade level. We fully recognize, I mean, I review these map scores in detail every time they come through. And there's about five students that every time I call their teacher and say, hey, I don't feel like this is an accurate representation. Walk me through. Do you feel like it's accurate? How do we want to move forward to make sure that they're really getting what they need? And some kids just, they don't perform as well in these. But there's a recognition that, that that is just how it is. And there are other ways to measure, you know, performance. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that's the, to me, that's the biggest difference in how we use it. We're not using it to determine if we're a good school or if any individual student is a good student. We're using it to understand, do kids in this school typically read and write at grade level and do math at grade level? And then we hone in and say, do they, do they read, can they, you know, can individual students do that? And I think that that's a, that's a really good thing. So 
why, Lindsay, you know, in defense of testing, you like tests, right, Lindsay? Oh, yeah. Why do you like tests? Well, I think I mainly love it for the information it provides our teachers and just the like there's it's a lot of information. Right. But I feel like the information as it comes in, each teacher is unique in the way that they're going to take in that information and use it with their students. But I kind of hit on this earlier, but I definitely think the reason why I like it the most is because I believe in providing our students with information about how they're doing. And at a young level, teaching them that it's not wrong to need to grow and to have areas where we want to come up um, and to work with kids on appropriate goal setting and what that looks like. And I've just seen over the years as we've increased our focus on goal setting specifically and on information based goal setting through test, that it increases motivation for our kids to be able to move forward with new educational goals, not just the ones they're working on you know, to meet a MAP score or increase their reading level. Um, I think it really empowers kids to take ownership and accountability of their own learning, which ultimately when a student has that, I mean, the sky's the limit for where they can go when they take ownership of their own progress. I think that's really good. That's really good. It helps it, if, if handled correctly, it can, right. it can be transferred into student ownership and personal responsibility and uh, help help the students themselves become more goal directed, which I think is a really good good thing. Caitlin, why do you like tests? Very similar reasons to what Lindsay shared, and I think that at the at the middle school, but especially at the high school level, being able to know where you're at is highly motivating for the kids, um, for them to see where they where they're testing at, how they did, and where they need to grow. Um, and at that, at that age, a lot of that responsibility is on them. Uh, we're all this support team that's around them. And, um, you know, parents and teachers are, are tracking the goals with the kids together, but, um, it's just, it's a really special opportunity to hand over the ownership to the students at this age specifically. Um, and it's very timely that we're talking about this because we've been going over maps testing with our, our sixth through eighth graders and our parent teacher conferences this last week. And, you know, I've seen the light bulb come on with a lot of the kids to see, okay, this is, this is how I'm doing. And this is, you know, there's, there's descriptions on a graph that show them how they're growing. Um, and they're able to connect their, their day-to-day effort. And they're able to connect sitting down and taking this test to their long-term goals. Um, I also really appreciate that testing helps develop a stamina in the kids. Um, there you do, like we said, you have to you have to know how to fill out um, multiple choice forms and, and take driver's tests. But there's a lot of different professions that require some kind of certification. Um, if you're going to college, we know that you have to take college entrance exams and exams in those classes. But there's also a lot of certifications that you have to take for different fields. And so it really helps develop that stamina and the, the skill of understanding how to take a test, what how they ask questions, um, how to dissect how they're asking you a question and, and answer really what they're asking you. And that's a skill that they'll use on tests long-term, but they're also going to use that skill as they continue to learn um, in their lifetime. That's a great Yeah, um, I agree 100% with everything that y'all said. I do want to just say from, from my perspective, the information that testing gives me and that we how we have used test here before. I remember one year, all of our students, well, not one year, like three years in a row, all of our students had great testing numbers in terms of 
uh, like reading and writing and a lot of the language arts sections. But we just were tanking in word study skills and spelling because when we get these test reports, it'll break that kind of stuff out for us. Um, and we might see like a different level. Um, I think the tests we use right now don't actually break those particular two topics. But but we started to realize, number one, that we had some weaknesses in it and that some of our students had very severe weaknesses in it. And we were able to provide interventions for them to help them. And now those students are much older and I'm really grateful that they got the interventions they, they, they had, you know, we might've just said, Oh, so-and-so is not a great speller, but we were like, no, this is like a system systematic problem that we can fix. And the testing showed us that the other thing is, um, it showed us as a school where there were some gaps in our curriculum that students were doing really well overall, but there were actually some gaps in our curriculum that formed the basis for underlying skills that they would need at the middle school and high school level. And we were able to see that at the elementary level and respond to that before it was too late and help them get those skills. And so I think that test can help you identify on a macro level when you're not looking at it at the individual student level, but it can help you identify areas that as a school we need to shore up. And that is, that's how we want to use them. And so it's all about helping us set goals, respond to challenges, respond to weaknesses and improve. And that's you know, the mindset we want our kids to have is that life is a journey, every aspect of it, and we're always on a trajectory of growth. And so I feel like the the testing gives us that and gives us the measures we need to do that. So when parents get their test at the end of the year or at these parent-teacher conference ladies, what, how, do you have any parting advice for parents on how they can understand the test results or use the test results inside their home? I think the biggest point, you know, we've made a lot of comments about the level of detail in the MAPS testing. And one thing I did want to point out is that the family report that comes home is not so overwhelming with information because I think as teachers and NWEA MAPS recognizes that all of these things are exciting to us, but often are a little overwhelming to just receive on a piece of paper. Um, so overall, what parents are going to see on those reports when they come home is an overall um, achievement percentile and a graph and an overall growth percentile and a graph about how they're doing. And it actually has questions on the page that it encourages you to ask your teacher about if you have questions. And I think those go overlooked, that kind of small print on a little document. Um, but really, teachers, that's what they're sharing their goals. And for your child are coming from a lot of that information in, in, in combination with other things. And so I think my big encouragement is if you have questions, ask them. Um, if things you're seeing on the paper don't line up uh, with what you feel to be true, ask and ask questions about how you can help at home, because it really is just so individual for each student. It just requires partnership and conversation. I'm in complete agreement. Ask questions if you have them when you get the report um, and, and clarification if you need it. And for tests coming up, I think just, you know, this goes along with what we're saying about a lot of things at this time of year is keep the encouragement high uh, for the kids. Um, make sure that they're, you know, getting sleep and have help managing their time and with all the things that are coming up with the end of the school year. Um, and yeah, just keep in mind that there's a lot going on and there's busyness, but, uh, we can day to day, keep really good attitude and stay encouraged and know that, um, our environment is very loving and supportive and we're all here to, to accomplish the same goal. Yep. I think that's really 
really good advice. Pay attention to those, those tests. Like, look at them, understand them, know where your child's at, but don't let the test become kink. And I think that's why we like tests is because the test doesn't dictate everything else we do at the school. Our mission, our purpose, our value system does. And the tests are just a tool that we use to help us accomplish our broader goals. And so if you as a parent take that same advice, then we can all love tests and we can all uh, realize that there's some beneficial information. Just like when I go for a run and I look and I see my speed and I know, oh, I ran faster today or, oh, I ran slower today or, oh, I'm this far from my goal. That's basically what these tests do. They just give us information to help us improve, to help us understand when we are improving and to help us pick up when maybe we need to pick up the pace a little bit. And, and we might not know that without that information. So thank you all. Thank you, Caitlin and Lindsay. And thanks to all of the teachers and parents who have helped pull off MAPS testing in 15 different locations uh, three or four times this year already. And so I really appreciate everybody for that. And thank you for all playing a crucial role in getting that valuable information to us. This podcast is a production of Prism North America. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you access quality podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. To learn more about Prism, visit us at our website, www.prismnorthamerica.org.